Please open your Bibles at Acts chapter 3. I have a slightly croaky voice. I'm going to need some people to do some reading for me this morning. And if the worst thing happens, I might have to get someone up here to finish the sermon. Hopefully that won't happen. Tracy. Acts chapter 3. I'd like somebody, if they could read from 3 down to the end of verse 10, if they wouldn't mind. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple back called Beautiful, where he was put every day to bed from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter, Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Thanks, Paul. Could somebody read 11 to the end of the chapter, please? While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your living ways. May God bless the reading of his word. As um, Evan said at the beginning, um, the previous 
Uh, sermons are available on podcast, but I'll just give you a very brief um, rundown of where we've got to up to this point. The start of Acts, it's the promise of the Spirit, the ascension of Jesus, the waiting for the Spirit, the selection of Matthias, the outpouring of the Spirit, the reaction of the crowd, the explanation by Peter, the first gospel sermon by Peter, the conversion of 3,000, the beginning of the church. And then as we get into chapter 3, the healing of the lame man, Peter's second sermon. I'm just going to open in prayer. Dear Lord, as we open your word today, we know that it is like a, two, a double-edged sword. It is powerful, it is life-changing, and it does uh, things to us. Um, when we let it do it through your spirit. So I pray as we do this this morning that you open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to what you have to say to us. Now Acts is a book that starts off a little bit slow but really gets into its stride and there's some, if you read it as a, if you read it as like a novel, it's a very exciting book to read but it's more than a novel to us, isn't it? It's God speaking to us. You know, in the early chapters of Acts, we see the spreading of the the gospel and the establishment of the church. And the very fact that we stand here today with a Bible in our hand and in a church, it's been successful. 2,000 years. It hasn't been without its challenges, has it? But it's still been successful. You know, to this day, churches are still getting planted. The Bible is being translated into various languages. It's still going on 2,000 years later. Having read the first few chapters of Acts, I'm not sure whether this would have been the most exciting time in history to live as a Christian or the most scary. You know, if you look at it, your faith could have cost you your life on earth. But if it didn't cost you your life on earth, you would have seen various things happen. You would have seen the spread of the gospel, the establishment of the church and many miracles. Acts chapter 3 starts with Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. As they got to the temple gates, they came across a man who had been crippled from birth. When he saw Peter and John, he asked them for some money. Something he would have done many times, I guess, throughout his life. But on this occasion, he did not receive any money. He received a miracle from God. He gained the ability to walk, something he had never been able to do in his 40-odd years. It could be said that he asked for arms, but he got legs. You know, I'm pretty sure on that day he was thinking when he sat, was sat down there, if I could get some enough money today to buy some food, to feed myself, it would be a good day. I really doubt that he was thinking, I'm going to walk home with empty pockets. But God had different ideas. Does that resonate with you in your life? You thinking one thing and God thinking something else. 
around the excuse me around the middle of last year a friend of mine fell off the roof and became a paraplegic one minute he was able bodied and a few seconds later he could not walk a few weeks after the accident Tracy and I went and visited him at the rehabilitation place both he and his wife are Christians and they were overwhelmed by how the Christian community had gathered around them to support them. They had meals cooked in advance for them for many months and I know for a fact that many people in many churches were praying for his healing, praying that God would do a miracle in his life. As of today, it has not happened. Will it? I don't know. It's not that I doubt that God can do it, because he can. You know, in my preparation for this morning, I did a lot of reading about the healing of the crippled man and why it seems, at least in the Western world, that we don't see these dramatic healings today like we did in the early church. In the first century, we read about God raising people from the dead, the blind made to see, crippled to walk. I don't have an answer to why that seems to be the case then and not so now. But I do know this, that there are thousands, if not millions who are alive today because of the intelligence given by God to men to perform life-saving surgery and design drugs that save people's lives. Something that might have caused your death a 100 years ago can be cured by a pill. Operations are performed on unborn babies so that they can live. So operate, sorry, so they can live. So you cannot say that God has been inactive in this area. It may not have been had the drama of Acts chapter three, but it is still God at work. My take on this is God is still doing miracles in this area. One thing I'm certain about is that when we get to heaven we will have any afflictions done away with. Those who live with ailments, disease, aches and pains, those unable to walk, will all have those afflictions dealt with. We will live forever pain and affliction free with our Father in heaven. And I'm sure many would say amen to that. You know, when I pray for this friend of mine who fell off the roof, I ask that God will heal him. I pray for a miracle. I pray that he will be able to walk. I ask that the medical people working on him will find a solution. Then I leave it with God. In this situation, there's nothing more that I can do. And I will continue to pray for him. 
Philippians 4.6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I don't know, and we don't know, what, how God will answer our prayers, but he asks us to pray and leave our requests with him. After God healed the crippled man, he goes around into the temple courts, leaping and praising God. I guess that's a natural reaction. Then a crowd gathered and were amazed at what had happened to him. At this point, Peter delivers his second sermon. Why not? He has a captive audience, and I guess after seeing 3,000 people make a commitment to follow Jesus after his first, he was going to take every opportunity he could. He had no preparation as far as I'm aware, but he trusted that God would give him the words to say. And in Acts 4.4 it says, the number of men grew to 5,000 after his sermon. You know, when he came time for his second sermon, he didn't start by saying, when I spoke my first sermon, 3,000 people put their trust in God. He didn't say, did you just see what I did to that cripple? Did you see what happened when I asked him to walk? He didn't say, you need to follow me. Come with me and I'll show you what I can do. He did not say any of that. But this is what he did say. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by your own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he, had, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see... Now, this man you see and now was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Peter was not looking for the glory. He wanted none of it. He turned the crowd's focus towards God. He was not looking for a pat on the back. He wanted to point them to God. Peter knew who performed the miracle. It's a very different story we read here than we do in Luke 22, where the apostles were arguing over who is the greatest among them. What changed? What had happened? Why the change? The reason things had changed is they had had an encounter with God. God's spirit had entered into their lives and their lives would never be the same again. 
The crippled man had an encounter with God and his life would never be the same again. And it's the same for us. Our lives, when we have an encounter with God, will never be the same again. The crippled man's physical life and his spiritual life changed on that day as it will have forever. In Psalm 34 and 8 it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. For us today, it starts with us coming to God with a repentant heart and asking him to come into our lives. That's where our journey begins. But over time, it's easy to become complacent. I think Raf said last week, we can lose our joy. We can lose our zeal for God. We can let our priorities shift. Our devotion slips. In Acts 2, this is what it says about the 3,000 new believers. They devoted themselves, it's 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I note the words there, devoted themselves. You know, is this us as a church today? Or is it us as individuals? Are we really fixing our gaze on God? Is that our priority in our life? Have we let our devotion to God's teaching, fellowshipping and breaking of bread and prayer slip in our lives? Have we moved our devotion to other things in our life? Is it our work, relationships or just doing life? Has our focus moved from God? I'm a borderline case of needing glasses to read. It's very sad. It's very annoying, actually. And I went and bought those magnifying glasses you get from the chemist. They just magnify for reading. I can read some things some of the time, but I can't read some things other times, depending on various factors. In fact, my eyes are at that point now where I had to go the other day and fill in a form and I had to ask the lady behind the counter to borrow her glasses (laughs) because I don't carry them with me because I don't need them all the time. But it's not like one morning I woke up and my eyesight had gone from good to bad that I couldn't read. It was a gradual deterioration. And that, I think, can be like our journey with God. We don't wake up one morning and it's deteriorated overnight. We gradually let things slip. Little things come in that shouldn't. We stop doing the little things that we should. You know, over the years, we can let it diminish. 
you know, this is where I think we need each other to be accountable. We need to keep each turning each other towards God. I need you to do it for me and I need to do it for you. We all need to keep other, each other turning towards God as individuals and corporately as a church. It's so easy to give our opinions to others or maybe want to solve their problems. Our opinion should only be a reflection of what God's values are. It's not our values. You and I cannot give anyone eternal life. We can only guide and encourage them to seek out God for themselves. You know, I guess if I was walking past that crippled man, I would have given him some money. Yet that's not what he needed. God gave him what he really needed. He gave him the ability to walk and filled his heart with the Spirit. God meets people where they're at. We often meet people where we think they might be at, but God's ways are not our ways. I was reading recently about a pastor who told a story about a time he went to the supermarket on his way to church. He was in a rush and needed something for the service that morning. He went in, purchased his item and was heading back to his car in the car park. As he headed out, a young boy about 16 years of age came up to him and said, excuse me, sir, would you buy some alcohol for me? He declined and gave him a short lecture on why a 16-year-old should not be drinking alcohol. He gets five minutes up the road and he feels God tapping him on the back saying, I wanted you to minister to that boy. He was on his way to church, so he kept going there because he had obligations he needed to fulfil. A few months later, he was about to go on a trip overseas and he needed an extra pair of socks. So he made a trip down to the shopping centre, purchased his socks and thought, before I go, I'll go and use the bathroom, his toilet. So as he walked into his cubicle, a person next door knocked on the cubicle and said, do you have the stuff? He said, do I have the stuff? He said, do you have the stuff? He goes, what are you talking about? What stuff? He said, you know, the good stuff. The pastor said, do you mean drugs? He said, yeah, drugs, the good stuff. The pastor said to him, no, I don't have drugs but I have something better for you. The guy goes, something better than drugs? He said, yeah, I've got something much better than drugs. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. After a short silence, the man in the cubicle next door goes, oh no, I tried church. It didn't end well. Few things happened that I wish never happened there. So this is my life now. He said, where did you used to go to church? He said, up the road. He said, God must really love you because I'm the pastor of that church now. They left their cubicle and went and had a coffee 
this guy committed his life to the Lord and now attends this church. You know, he looked back and thought, what would have happened if I had spoken to that 16-year-old boy on that day? Sometimes we need to make the time to put a hand out, say a word or do something that we need to do because there are opportunities everywhere, I know, and we walk past them daily. But if our eyes are not fixed on God, we will keep walking right past them. If you come here today and you feel that you've let your focus shift away from God, I know there are people here that will put their hand out and help you. They will help you refocus on Jesus. They will encourage you in your journey with God. They will pray with you. They will pray for you. They will encourage you. They will ask that Jesus will give you what you need, which may be different from what you want, but only God really knows what we need. While Peter was speaking at the temple, the guard and the Sadducees became disturbed by what was being said. You know, the preaching of the gospel has always had its opposition and it will always until God returns. You see, because God meets us where we're at, it can be very confronting for us. It begins with a power struggle, doesn't it? God wants to be the Lord of your life and that doesn't sit comfortable with most of us. Our pride kicks in and we want to say to ourselves, I can run my life okay on my own. Just let me sort out a few things. Once I get my finances in order, that promotion at work or this family issue sorted out, I'll have everything back under control. I can run my life okay. But the gospel says different to that. You have issues and I have issues that we can never sort out. We can only paper over the cracks and that is offensive and threatening to people as it was in Acts and it still is today. I am, this is where we, this is where how we think. I'm my own person and I'll do what I want. You know, you would think if you saw Peter speak on that day and the temple guard and the Sadducees turned up and seized them, then put them in jail, would you want to put your hand up and say, I want to get on board with this? Well, 2,000 people did say that. When the gospel is spoken and God's spirit moves and God meets people where they are at, that's what can happen. God is looking for devoted followers. He's looking for spirit-filled followers. He's looking for those willing to stand up and speak his truths. He wants to work through each of us to spread his good news. I'm sure this has been said many times throughout many generations, but I'm going to say it again. At this time, God needs courageous followers who are willing to speak his truths now. At least in my lifetime, we are in a real need 
for devoted Christians in our society. We need men and women who will not grow weary of doing good. We don't do this on our own. We have brothers and sisters in Christ and we have God's spirit in us to enable this to happen. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says this, For God... My eyes are playing up. I just need a drink. <laughs> For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. In a minute, Andrew's going to play a clip of a song. But before he does that, when I was preparing for this, I was thinking that there's a little chorus, a song. And it says, this is the words, it's very short. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mould me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. I'm not going to close in prayer. Andrew's going to play this song and then we're finished. We'll have some morning tea. We are a little early, so we may just need to let the Sunday school finish their things. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way.